But let me just encourage you again. You guys are so good at this, whether you're watching online or you're in the room today at sharing these messages because you just never know who else it's going to reach. And it's never been easier than with social media to be able to reach out to your friends and encourage them in the Lord. And so uh, I encourage you to do that uh, as we share in these messages together. How many know God works in us so he can work through us? God doesn't take you through something, but what he intends to use it in someone else's life, he uses often hardships, though. This is the part we're not all that excited about. He uses hardships to help build his church, to help build his people. And God, I believe, is in an effort to get us in shape for the future. God wants us to be ready for what's around the corner. How many about this time last year had no idea what 2020 was going You had some promises. You had some commitments. You, you were going to do some stuff, and that all fell apart, right? That was, it changed completely. And so as we get ready for a new year, I believe God knows what this new year is going to bring. And God wants to get you ready. He wants to get me ready for whatever that is. But getting in shape, how many know this, is not easy. Right? It's not easy. It's not easy to get in shape. It's hard. That's why they call it a workout. Right? There's a four-letter word in that. Right? Work. You got to work at it. You got to sweat. You got to do something. You got to push yourself. And it can be painful. I had a picture. This picture came up on my Facebook feed uh, this past week. And it was from three years ago, the morning of the Monumental Marathon, downtown Indianapolis. And I'm with my friend Howard, who challenged me to run a crazy 13 Point one miles, which I had never run in all my life. Most of my running was just to run to the grocery. How many are with me, you know, or, or something like that? I, I wasn't really a runner growing up or anything, but, but I started training, and uh, I finished the race in a respectable time, and that with plantar's fasciitis. Anybody know what plantar's is? Another word for it's pain, okay? It's pain. Uh, and, and so I got that when I was training, and I still went ahead. Uh, praise God for Motrin, amen. And uh, got through it and finished, got the, got the certificate, got the, the medal, got the T-shirt and everything. But uh, I was reminded of that this week. And how many of you, this pandemic has changed things for you. You know, I know businesses in our community that were looking to expand prior to the pandemic. They had plans to do some building and advancements and, and things like that, but all of a sudden, the pandemic hit, and it changed everything. 
And some of us look at this pandemic and, and our cry is, can we get back to normal? I just want to get back to normal. I just want to get over this. But I don't think God sees pandemics the same way that we see them. I think sometimes God says, oh, I'm going to use this. Oh, I'm going to use this to help my people grow. I'm going to use this to help them to toughen up. I'm going to use this to help them to be prepared for something I'm going to do in the future. You see, God is interested in building muscles of faith, muscles of generosity, muscles of love, muscles of faithfulness. God is interested in increasing you and I in who we can be. That's what he's doing. All right, 1 Kings chapter 17. If you found your place, we're going to begin reading with the very first verse, and we're going to look at the making of a man of God. As a matter of fact, here's what I want to give to you today is, is to help you get fit. Let's look at God's fitness plan, all right? Here's God's fitness plan, and we're going to introduce you to a man for the next four weeks by the name of Elijah. Now, Elijah is one of my favorite characters in all the Bible, uh, a man who was used powerfully in his nation to be an influencer, but let's see what's behind the scenes. Elijah, his name means, my God is Yahweh. My God is Yahweh. Now, Yahweh was the Hebrew term that they gave to God. They would call him Yahweh. And so Elijah uh, says, my God is Yahweh. Now, here we pick it up in verse 1. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite, from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Here's what I want you to see, is that this place that Elijah is from is such a no-name place that the writer says, you're not even going to know where Tishbe is. You, you don't even know where that is. So let me just explain. It's over in Gilead. Maybe you know where that is. Now, I don't know how it is for you, but when I'm out and if I'm traveling different places and somebody says, hey, where are you from? Or where do you live? I don't say Avon, Indiana. And the reason I don't say Avon, Indiana is because I believe most of them won't have a clue where Avon, Indiana is. So usually when people ask me that, I'll say, oh, in the west suburbs of Indy, Indianapolis. And oh, yeah, I know where that is. The other day, though, I had somebody said, well, I know where Avon is. Why didn't you just say that? I said, well, I didn't know you knew Indy that well. You know, God takes us through things and he helps us because sometimes I think we look at people in the Bible and we say, well, you know, the reason why Elijah was used of God is he, he was a powerful individual. He had a lot of things going on or he was this, that, or the other. I'm telling you, he's a nobody from nowhere. 
The writer says, you don't even know where Elijah's from. The town's so small, it's so insignificant that I'm going to have to give you a geographical location so you even know where this guy originated from. And so he's a nobody from nowhere, and yet God uses him. And I'm telling you here today, let me remind some of you that God delights to do this kind of stuff. God delights in taking a nobody from nowhere and using them to do something special for him. And that's what he does with Elijah. Because you may say, well, you know, I'm sure God can use that person or I'm sure God can use that other person. I'm sure that, you know, they seem so talented. I'm sure they'll go far in life. I'm sure they'll do big things. But that doesn't mean God can't do big things through you. He can do big things through you. See, God is no respecter of persons. In other words, the Bible says that, that he doesn't look at one over another. As a matter of fact, he said one time when he was choosing a king in Israel, he says, you people look on the outside, but I look on the inside. He says, you look at stuff that I don't look at. And today, God's doing the same thing. He does this through Elijah, and he'll do things through you. The beginning of the chapter, listen to this. Elijah is just Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe, and you don't even know where it is. That's how it starts out. But by the end of the chapter, here's what they're saying about him. Now, there goes a man of God. In one chapter, God transforms this nobody from nowhere into a man of God. And I'm here to tell somebody today, if he can do it with Elijah, he can do it with you. I don't care what you've come from. I don't care your bad choices and bad decisions. I don't care if you're a nobody from nowhere. He specializes in turning people into men and women of God. He does. Maybe you're watching today and you think, well, Craig, that, that sounds great, but you, you can't see me. You don't know. Oh, yes, I see you there in the pink pajamas. No, I don't really. But anyway, wouldn't that be weird if I said something like that? But, but what I do know is maybe I can't see you, but here's something more special. God sees you. He sees you, and he knows who you are. And even if you feel like your life is so insignificant, I'm telling you, God specializes in using You have no idea. God's about ready to maybe take you from being cashier to CEO. God's about to take you from the basement level to the mid-level so he can get you ready for the high level of what he wants to do in your life. God maybe is doing something, and I know when it comes to giving, we're coming up on our miracle offering once again, and it's going to be amazing. Last year, we gave $50,000 to free women and children from sexual trafficking. That was just one of the things we did last year with the miracle offering. But here's what happened. We had people last year who gave $1,000. Some gave even more than that. Some people gave $500. And, and here's what I know. There's times in your life, and I've had this, where God said, I, I can still remember the first time I gave $100. And I thought, wow, I just don't know 
That, that seemed, that's huge. And it was huge at that time. But then, since then, God has challenged me to give much bigger amounts. And last year, giving $1,000 to our miracle offering, this year I intend to do that again at least that much because that's what God does. He builds our faith. He strengthens us. And, And so he'll do it with generosity. He'll do it with witnessing. You know, if you're sharing your faith with somebody, you say, well, I just don't know if I should talk to them about the Lord. And then you go over and you find out they become a Christian as a result of your sharing. Now it's a lot easier to talk to the next person, isn't it? It's a lot easier to invite the next person to church because you, you've seen God work in your life. Look at what uh, 1 Corinthians says. Brothers and sisters, here's the apostle Paul. He says to this church, Think what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many. There were some that were influential. There were some who were top of the class. But not many. Not many were of noble birth. What is he saying? He's saying God looks down and he specializes in using people that the world wouldn't use. He specializes in using people that we wouldn't think maybe he could use. And maybe that's because we feel that way. But then he can't use certain people because here's the problem. We think we're tough stuff anyway. Right? And and how many know we get in the way then? Because if God were to use that person, they'd take all the credit. They would get all the glory instead of giving the glory to God. God wants to receive the glory. So if you feel like you're a nobody from nowhere, I want to announce to you today that you are the perfect candidate for God to use and transform your life into a man or woman of God who is fit for the future, all right? When God's anointing, when God's Holy Spirit comes upon you, listen, it's not about you, it's about the Spirit on you. It's about God's power. And then when people ask and say, how can you be used by God like that? How can you do that? How is it that, you know, people respond to you so well? How is it that that happens? You can say, you know what? It's not me. It's God in me. It's the Holy Spirit in me. Over these next few weeks, we're going to let God change us. We're going to let God challenge us. We're going to let him empower us and enable us to get ready for whatever is coming ahead. Because again, I didn't know what was ahead this time last year. I don't know what's ahead for this new year. But I do know God knows what it is, and he can get me ready for it, and he can get you ready for it so we can go into this next season powerful and ready. Here's the first thing that we need to do as we get in God's fitness plan is God uses crises to create commitment. God uses crises to create commitment. 
commitment. When Elijah came on the scene, there was a lack of commitment. Check, check this out. Uh, there's a regnal summary of the kingship of the land in the 16th chapter, just before we come into where we read and, and Elijah's introduced. Let's, let's go back and see what's going on in the country. Here's where it is. In 1630, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ithbael, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve, notice this, Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Verse 33. Ahab also made an Asherah pole that they'd worship at. And he did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. Wow. I mean, what a scene. Idolatry was rampant. And before we think, well, you know, thankfully we're, we're not living in that day. In age, I want you to know we have idols. We even have TV shows that use the word idol in them. We make idols out of sports figures. We make idols out of sports. Listen, an idol is anything or anyone that absorbs our attention from God. It keeps us from having our focus on God. And here's what that can be. For some people, it can be their kids. They make an idol out of their own children. Or you can make an idol out of your mate. You can make an idol out of desires for things. Maybe it's a drive for money. Or maybe it's health, your own health. You can be over the top in that. Or maybe it's fashion. I've got to be in fashion more than anything. And here's what I think God does. God allows pandemics to shake us up. God allows pandemics. How many of you, you realize life can go on without the NCAA basketball tournament? <laughs> it, it, it really can. Life can go on without sports. Life can go on without meetings at work all the time. Life can go on without a lot of things. How many have realized that? And, and it's been a good thing to, to check that out, to understand that. Now let me ask you today, is there anything in your life that is coming back in that represents an idol? Something that takes you away. I wish I had time to serve. I wish I had time to share. I wish I had time to worship. I wish I had time to read my Bible. I wish I had time to attend that class and grow in my faith. But I, I just don't have time. How many know that 
Idols cut off God's blessing. You see, they entered into a season of drought. And in the Old Testament, drought is a picture of things being dried up. The, the hardness of the soil. The hardness of the skies. The hardness of fertility. All of that is gone. And what happens is when we're not walking with God, this is an Old Testament picture of what happens spiritually in our lives. Life gets hard. Life gets harder. The heavens get hard. Everything about us begins to get hard because of the idolatry. But when you repent and say, oh God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. And you said all these things will be added unto me. All of a sudden, what happens is the heavens open. Now, I'm not saying it'll all turn around in a moment. But what I am saying is you'll feel connected to God. All of a sudden, you'll start to sense the Holy Spirit working once again. And things will begin to soften. Look at what he said. He says in verse 1, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew, there's not even going to be dew, or rain in the next few years except at my word. When we remove the idols, the heavens will open back up. God's intent through any hardship, listen to me, is that you would get closer to him. But here's what the enemy will do. The enemy will say, well, you don't have time for God. You got to work even harder now. You, you've got more that you need to accomplish and get done because these times are tough times. Let me tell you something. What, what we need to do is run to God. In the book of James Jump over to the New Testament because the brother of Jesus, get this, the brother of Jesus talks about Elijah, our new friend that we met from Tishbe today. And, and James talks about him when he got the opportunity to write scripture. And here's what he had to say. First thing he says about Elijah is Elijah, look at this, was a human being. He was a human being. In other words, he wasn't a superhero. We're not talking Thor, okay? He, he's not descended out of the heavens and come to the planet. He's a nobody from nowhere. He's just plain vanilla. Nothing special. He was just a human being like you and I. But look at the verse before that. In verse 16, he says, the prayer of a righteous person. Now, let me help you here. Righteous just simply means in right standing with God. Okay, so it doesn't mean perfect. Here's, here's Craig White today, okay? I believe I'm in right standing with God, not because I am a perfect person. Talk to my family, okay, if you don't believe that. I am not a perfect person, but I am in perfect standing because someone perfect 
came down here 2,000 years ago, took my imperfection upon him, all of my sin, all of my rebellion, everything that did not look like God, he took it on himself and hung on the cross and died for me, and that's where my sin is now. My sin is on that cross. And Jesus said, it's finished. Your sin is finished. Turn to somebody and say, it's finished. Maybe type it in the chat today. Just say, my sin is finished. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. And he won the victory over it. And James says, if you're just a righteous person, if you stand in right relationship with God, not because of you, but because of God, and you stand in right relationship with him, look at what you can do. The prayer of that kind of person, it's what? It's powerful and effective. See, the enemy tries to convince you that your prayers aren't powerful, that they're not effective. Oh, you missed church last week. Oh, you didn't read your Bible. You said you were going to read it every day this year. And you were even home more than you normally are. And you fell off. You think God's going to answer your prayers? Anybody with me on that? Anybody, does the devil know your address too? Huh? And comes knocking at the door. Somebody's knocking, right? And, and so the devil says, no, you, you can't do that. But that's not what the Bible says. James says, uh-uh. No, I didn't even think my brother was the son of God. Matter of fact, one time we said he's crazy. Don't even listen to him. He's nuts. We can't make excuses for him. We're not sure about his birth and whatever. We're not sure about all that. He's just nuts. Come on, Jesus. Come on home. That's what they did if you read the Bible. But somehow James said, no, he was right. He's the son of God. I'll tell you how that happens is when you see your brother die and then three days later you see him alive. That'll do it, right? How many know that'll do it? That'll do it. And and so here's what he says. He says, even though I didn't believe in him, even though I didn't trust him, even though I was an unbeliever, now I know that I am a believer and I'm made righteous by my own brother who died on the cross for me. Now I can pray effectively and powerfully. So some of you, You need to get a hold of this. Look at Elijah. He's a human being even as we are, but he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And and let me tell you something. That word earnestly just means, it kind of implies, it's kind of strange for us to, to hear it in English, but it's like he prayed and prayed, or he prayed over his prayer. Or another interpretation that I read is that he was already a praying person And so he just prayed specifically for something. See, God's wanting you to be a a, a normal Christian who talks to him every day. And then every once in a while, you just say, God, I would like for you to do something specific. 
And so that's what Elijah did. And he says he prayed that it didn't rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Okay, some of you, you're asking for rain, and there's no clouds. You're asking for God to do miracles, and nothing's changing. You're asking for God to do supernatural things, but here's the thing, is when you look at your life, does it look like what a righteous person would be doing? Does it show the touch of the Holy Spirit? Does your life show the presence of God upon it? Now again, we're not talking perfect because none of us are perfect. I'm just saying, is there something notable where God's working, God's moving, God's doing things in your life, his breath, his touch, his presence, or have you allowed idols to be built up in your life? And God's trying to use this crisis to get rid of those idols. God's trying to get rid of those things so that the flow of his power of his spirit can come through you just like it did in Elijah. I believe that today. Here's the second thing to write down is God in his fitness plan, he uses crises to develop our character. He'll use crises to develop character. In verse two of 1 Kings 17 says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now this phrase comes to us two times within seven verses that God is speaking. And I want to say to somebody today, maybe you're watching, maybe you're in this room, God speaks today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that today we need to hear from God every bit as much as Elijah did in his day. Would you agree? We, we need to hear from him. We need to hear from God. And did you know the, the phrase, and God said, is used over 300 times in Scripture? God said this. God spoke this. See, God wants to speak to you. As a matter of fact, there's no person God doesn't want to talk to. God wants to speak to everyone. The question is, are you tuned in? And by the way, we're going to spend a whole month in January during the 21 days of prayer in January. You don't want to miss it on being tuned in to God's voice. How do you know that you know it's God? that God's speaking to you. You don't want to miss it. The, the staff, we've been reading a book recently, and one of the things in this book that talks about making time for God talks about doing a one-minute pause. As a matter of fact, the author even has an app. There's an app for that, right? Um, and, and so they have an app on how you can just take a minute and be in silence. Do you know how hard that is to do? Just try it. If I did it right now, it'd be awkward as all get out, all right? It'd be like being on an elevator without music. How many are with me, right? You been there? Everybody just kind of, you know, it's like, where's the music? 
And, and so what happens is, is God wants to speak to us, and he wanted to speak to Elijah, so he calls him to solitude. He calls him to something greater. He says, you know, you're just... Uh, from a, 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 a Tishbite from Tishbe, you're, you're nothing. Everybody has to say where you're even from or they won't even know where you are. But I'm telling you, I'm going to do something special in your life. I'm going to do something dynamic in your life that people are going to write about. And over 2,000 years later, they'll be talking about it. Because of how I'm going to use your life. Now, I'm asking you today, are you willing for God to use you? Are you anxious for God to use you? If you are, it's going to require more time than your drive home from work. All right? I talk to people and they'll say, oh, yeah, I do a lot of my prayer time in the car. I do a lot of my driving in the car. I don't know about you. But, um, but when I'm driving, I'm not co- totally focused on the Lord, all right? And sometimes I've even, I'm even, my prayer life changes while I'm driving, all right? It's like, Lord, help that person, because obviously they do not know what they're doing. So, and, and when I'm home with my family, Distracted time doesn't count as quality time. Anybody with me on that? When I'm at home and I'm reading a magazine, or I'm reading a book, or I'm checking out my phone and, and, and looking at stuff, let me tell you something. My family says, you're not with us. You may be here, but you're not with us. So it doesn't count. And look at this in in verse 3. He says, leave here, turn eastward, hide in the Kareth ravine. That word Kareth, by the way, means cut. East of the Jordan, you will drink from the brook that I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And and here's the thing. is, is There's some things like Kareth, it means to cut. God wants to cut some things off today, maybe. Maybe this pandemic was to say, hey, you've allowed too much stuff to crowd in your life. You've allowed things to come in. You've gotten so busy, you don't have time for me. You don't have time for your family. You don't have to t- have time to be a witness. You don't have time to be effective in your faith. You don't have time. And so I'm just going to help you have more time. We're just going to cut some things off. And here's what happened to Elijah. Today, we're no different than Elijah. God called him to some alone time. And then in verse 5, here's what it says. So he did what the Lord had told him. All right? He he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, stayed there. And the raven, sure enough, brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. He obeyed and God miraculously provided for his life. It was physical. He provided food and drink, but it's again a picture of what God can do spiritually in your life. If you're spiritually dry, if you're spiritually hungry, God can give that to you as you get alone with Him. When you can't get out of your situation, get to God in your situation. 
because I guarantee you he's there. He's there in your situation. And you may not be able to change the pandemic, but you can get closer to God through it, in it. So ask yourself, are you ready for God to do his work in your life? And if you are, then here's what you can't do. You can't just rush off. You can't just go back to Speedy Gonzalez, right? You can't just go back to a fast-paced life because hurry and hear don't go together, right? Hurry and hear don't go together. Look at this in verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Someone today, you may feel like your brook dried up. This pandemic, maybe, uh, I talked to somebody the other, other day, they said their income's been cut by 30% because of the pandemic. And maybe you feel like you've been cut back. You feel hurt. You feel like, man, everything was going just fine. The economy was roaring and everything was going great. We were going to expand. We were going, and now I, I, I can't even do what I used to do. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've lost your house. Maybe you had to downsize. Maybe you're in a smaller apartment. You used to have a, a bigger apartment, but you had to get down to a studio, you had to get something small, or maybe you're even renting a house, or maybe you even move back home. I don't know what your situation is, but what I do know is we can feel like a dried up brook has happened in our lives, and I want you to know that a dried up brook is not a sign of God's rejection. It can be a sign of God's direction in your life. God may be directing you, and the God who directed you to it will direct you through it. We'll see this in Elijah next week as we pick it up right here. But here's what I want to say today again. He was just like you and me. Don't get a picture of some superman, some superhero. No, this was just a common guy, just like you and I. But he allowed God to create and develop in him a man of God. And God today still specializes in doing that same thing. He can make anyone here, anyone watching today, a man or woman of God that does great things that are beyond your capacity because of his anointing, his power working and flowing through you. Let's wrap this up in verse 8, and that's where we'll pick it up next week. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Again, God is a speaking God. God will speak even in the midst of the crisis. God sometimes even speaks louder in a crisis because we get our attention focused on him. But God's intent through this is this. Here, here's the bottom line. Is that you get fit. All right? You get fit. You get fit for God using you in a powerful way. God can take this time 
to get you ready. He's here in the crisis. If you haven't seen God in this crisis, then maybe something's in between you and God, blocking your vision. And I would encourage you today to identify what that is. God will use this crisis to build you up, to strengthen you, to enable you to be more than you ever thought you could be. And again, James, the brother of Jesus, said, I'm telling you, he wasn't anything special. I wasn't anything special, but God used my life. God used Elijah, and he can use you. He can raise you up to be more than you ever thought you would be. And when people ask, you can say, oh, it was God that brought me to this place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You're still the same today as you were 2,000 years ago, even thousands of years ago. And God, you can do today what you did in Elijah's life. You can get us fit and ready to be used of you. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm ready to be used of God. I I think God does want to use my life in some way. And I'm just going to encourage you again, friend. He wants to use it bigger than you even dream. And how many of you, you're humble enough to say, yes, Lord. I don't even care what the question is. My answer is yes. How many join me by raising a hand say yes? Yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, use me, Lord, use me, Lord. If you're at home or wherever you are and you're watching, just stretch your hand toward the screen. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, you know every person who raised a hand. And it doesn't matter if they were born in a hamlet somewhere, that some obscure little place, and maybe they were last in their class. Maybe... Uh, nobody even knows their name. Maybe they feel like I'm, not, I'm invisible. God, today, you see them. You see them right where they are. And you're using me to encourage them to believe that you can use them. You see them and you can use them. And God, if we'll just allow you, you'll build us up. You'll strengthen us. You'll help us to get fit for the future you have. Maybe you're here today as we still pray. And God's drawing you to himself. And God's been doing that. But maybe you would say, there's an idol in my life. You'd be honest enough to admit, there's something blocking me from God. Maybe you feel it. Maybe you, you could even name it. Whatever it is. I'm telling you, friend, it's time to get rid of the idol. It's time to lay it down. It's time to allow God to come in. And I'm telling you, one decision you'll never regret is the decision of allowing God in your life. So today, if there's an idol in your life, if there's something blocking you from God's presence, and you don't want anything blocking you from God, and you're ready to surrender your life to God, will you just shoot your hand up right now and say, yes, I'm here in this room, and I need to give God my whole life today. Just shoot it right up right now. I'll just pray for you, and we're going to pray for those online as well. Go ahead and stretch your hand toward the screen, and we're going to pray for those of you as well who need to commit your life to God. Everybody just pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. His perfect death makes me perfectly capable of coming before you today. Not because of me, but because of him. And you said, whoever calls on your name will be saved. I'm calling on you today. Please save me. Rescue me. Forgive me. Give me a new beginning. From this moment on, as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's welcome those who pray to prayer. So awesome. Listen, in recent weeks, we've had people online who have been making decisions for God, who have been commenting back to us, I decided to follow Jesus today. I made a commitment. And again, it's because of your giving that we've been able to get online, that we've been able to purchase the things needed, the equipment needed. And there's still more that we know God's called us to do. And this year's miracle offering is going to make even more happen. So thank you for praying about what you can do on that first Sunday of December. Let's stand together. Our worship team's going to lead us. We're going to be dismissed from the back to the front. Let me just pray a blessing over you. Father, go with each person today. Continue to help us to get fit this year as we get ready for a new year. We don't want to go into it not ready, not prepared. And so, God, you know what's coming our way. So we ask that you'll help strengthen us, empower us to be the man, the woman of God that you called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.